Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Jeffrey Smith. We're going to take calls with Jeffrey next hour. Do uh, watch his 16-minute film called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And then you can get it at protectnaturenow.com. Jeffrey, we were talking about the uh, H4 avian uh, virus. Why is it that originated in Shanghai? What is it about China where all these viruses start? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, it was interesting that when they tried to go to the caves where their people had contracted something like the coronavirus, they were blocked. There's a whole story that, that happened with AP. I think it might have happened with BBC as well. But what's interesting is that uh, the USA Today a few years ago pointed out that many of the handlers of these pandemic pathogens that are worked on in the laboratory to what's called gain of function, in other words, enhance them so that they are either more deadly or more infectious, that many of them actually had uh, either escaped or near escapes, hundreds and hundreds of accidents. And so when in 2014 it was announced that this H5N1 avian flu, which is as much as 24 times more deadly than the COVID-19 virus, had been made airborne. Imagine what that would have been like had that been one of the deadly pathogens that escaped. Our our movement, Protect Nature Now at protectnaturenow.com, we have two main goals. One is no genetic enhancement of potentially pandemic pathogens so that we don't test fate. But the other one is no outdoor release of any genetically engineered microbes, whether they're pathogens or not. That's because the microbiome is critical to our health. It's critical to environmental health. And when you release a microbe, it can travel around the world, it can mutate, and it can swap genetic elements. The microbiome has evolved over billions of years. It actually operates about 90% of all human metabolic functions because we have outsourced it over the millennia to the microbiome. There's some amazing stories of how intelligent it is. And yet, when we introduce a genetically engineered microbe, it can disrupt our own microbiome, and a disrupted microbiome is responsible for about 80% of chronic diseases. It also can cause damage or even collapse of ecosystems. But unfortunately, George, you can buy a gene editing kit on Amazon for $169. And for some more investment, you can create your own home lab and create new genetically engineered microbes every day and release them into the environment where there is no recall. You cannot pull it out of the gene pool. If it survives, it can go everywhere and interact with ecosystems it was never designed to and cause significant problems that are entirely unpredictable. How many people are out there playing around like that, Jeffrey? Well, virtually every biology department, every biology lab uses gene editing. CRISPR uh, is the most common one, but there's other types as well. Of course, the developers of CRISPR just won a Nobel Prize. Now, they have been reading the literature, as I have, and if you read the literature uh, put out by the biotech industry, you get the impression that gene editing is safe, predictable, and natural. And they have used that lie to convince governments, the United States government, Brazil, 
Japan, uh, all over the world, that gene editing should not be considered genetic engineering and should not even be regulated. So you can gene edit microbes and other things and introduce them into the environment, even into the human food supply, with no government oversight whatsoever. But recent research has verified that gene editing, including CRISPR, causes what one researcher described as chromosomal mayhem. And he was talking about the human embryos where they were using gene editing, where they monitor it very, very carefully and found that it caused massive collateral damage in the DNA, similar to what we've seen with genetic engineering from the beginning. And yet very, very few people of the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of creations of gene edited um, organisms, very few of these scientists actually test the end product to see that it is the sequence that they intended to make sure there's no collateral damage and the very few that actually test it, publish it, and everyone is astounded that it's causing such problems. And yet the governments are still being convinced by the biotech industry to abandon any regulation for gene editing. The fight is going on in the UK right now. The fight is going on in Canada right now. The biotech industry is mobilizing pressure on the European Union. It's putting pressure in the United States. It is a global war. And I'll tell you, George, what's at stake are all living beings and all future generations because we can see a replacement of nature in this generation where future generations will not inherit the products of the billions of years of evolution that we did, but instead inherit the products of laboratory techniques whose number one most common result is surprise side effects. And with the microbiome in particular, it can cause rapid transformation around the world of ecosystems and human health. And left unchecked, left unchecked by governments or any agency, what happens? Well, I think that if we simply let it go, what's going to happen is that $169 kit on Amazon, the power of it's going to go up, the price is going to go down. You're going to have, instead of the chemistry experiments that we did when we were in high school, you'll have all the kids doing genetic engineering and releasing microbe after microbe. And the the Food products, which don't have to be labeled in the United States if they're gene edited, they don't have to be identified or even told to the government. You'll have things being sold as organic and natural that are genetically engineered. People will then genetically engineer that which is already genetically engineered. So we'll have compounding engineering, and we're going to have a change in the DNA like little genetic time bombs. And we won't know the unpredicted nature until something goes wrong. But it's not recallable. It's like the 24 rabbits that were released in Australia in 1859 so that people who are visiting the continent would feel more at home so they could hunt rabbits. Well, rabbits multiply like rabbits, and by the (laughs) 1920s, there was over 10 billion. Unbelievable. $600 million a year in Australia. That's one new invasive species. With gene editing, you can take an entire ecosystem and replace it so that everything is as if an invasive species. It may look the same on the outside, but it may function entirely different, and we're talking about the possibility of existential threat. I think I know this answer, but is there anything about genetic engineering that is good? Well, you know, for years and still, our Institute for Responsible Technology 
said, don't release GMOs outdoors and don't put it in the food supply. Use it for research. I was on a live panel today, which we hosted for Earth Day, with my friend Dr. Michael Antonio, who does gene therapy research at King's College London. And he does therapy that could save people's lives, but it's not inheritable. So if you have a defective gene, his technologies, his patents might be able to help you, but it doesn't affect the environment. It doesn't affect the whole population. So for years, the Institute for Responsible Technology has just said no outdoor release and nothing in the food supply. But now that we are looking at potentially pandemic pathogens, we're saying don't even do that indoors because we haven't mastered containment. It's not worth the risk to humanity to create these pandemic pathogens, which if they accidentally escaped, could wipe out thousands or millions or tens of millions of people. Are governments, Jeffrey, secretly trying to control, monitor all these genetically engineered episodes that are occurring all around the planet? I mean, do they have departments that check this or do they just not even care? Well, it's gone out of control. So there's no required notification of the government. If you create a genetically engineered microbe that's not used for commercial purposes, you can release it into the environment, and there's no law. There's and who, no and law. who would ever know? Exactly. And it might come back to bite us. Now, I have been combing through documents from the Department of Defense and Homeland Security and the former National uh, Security Advisor, and they're all concerned. They acknowledge that the technology has outpaced the regulation and that there are serious problems, both accidental and intentional, that can be done with new gene editing. So everyone is looking for a change. And what we're doing with Protect Nature now is going to come forward with actual legislation. So if you go to protectnaturenow.com, there's an advocacy platform where you go there and you can send a pre-written letter to all of your elected officials. To their, You can tweet them. You can send things on their Facebook page. Sign a, a, a petition send press releases to the media in your area. You can customize all of these, but you can do it in two or three minutes. You can have a hundred different actions. And we've been approaching people in Congress, and they're very interested in what we're doing. And what they're waiting to see is whether we have a movement, whether we have support. So they're looking at the social media to determine whether they're going to champion the new bills that we want to introduce that will prevent the release of genetically engineered microbes and prevent the gain-of-function research on potentially pandemic pathogens. So I want to urge listeners not only go to Protect Nature Now to watch the 16-minute film, but go to the advocacy platform and just spend a few minutes there because that is actually going to create the change. And you'll want to create the change when you see what's at risk in the film potential cataclysms, potential catastrophes, not just with these bad actors that we talked about earlier, but the general microbiome, which is so important that a significant percentage of the breast milk in mothers does not feed the infant. It feeds the microbiome. And the infant has been inoculated through the birth canal, inoculated through the breast milk, inoculated through contact with the skin. It's all designed. It's been designed for millions of years. And we may throw off that balance, and any change in the microbes of the infant, for example, can not only affect the health of that infant for life, it can be passed on to future generations in the same way that that infant got it from her, his or her mother. And so we're talking about a delicate balance of an ecosystem of microbes that run the world. 
In fact, we only have 22,000 genes in us, less than earthworms. But how are we higher organisms? Because there's 3.5 million genes in the microbiome inside us that handle most of our functions. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.